the past forever locked in regret. But what if the past could be changed? Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach. And I'm Seth. We're the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. We Welcome are to the Classic well, Gaming Brothers. No, I thought we agreed that we're not doing an acapella group. Oh, I don't take notes. Oh, I, I know. I know you don't take notes. <laughs> so, hi, Seth. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you today? You know, another day. Just another day. Another, another day. Dollar. Another dollar. Oh, geez. So, uh, what have you, uh, what have you been up to? What have you been playing lately? Seth, recently I've been playing a game called Planet X3. Now, Planet X3 was made by David Murray, also known as the 8-Bit Guy, who I actually talked about briefly in our episode 65 that we did with Theo as part of my Byway Pass. David oh. is working on the Commander X16, which is a computer system thing that I'm interested in. That's right. So, Planet X3 is a game that he developed uh, along with a small team of people. And he had crowdfunded. It's a real-time strategy game released in 2019. Now, unlike most games released in 2019, Planet X3 was released for DOS, MS-DOS, specifically MS-DOS compatible computers. It also was designed to work with a wide variety of graphics and video cards such as CGA, Hercules, VGA, etc. So you can pretty much put it in any setting that you want you can have that like you can have that like in the classic like cga like pink and black Ooh. color scheme that people might remember from the good old days of gaming it's a fairly unique to other real-time strategy games as well it's in played entirely with the keyboard there is mouse controls but it's really optimized to play with the keyboard you move your character around build things and fight enemies as you do with a real-time strategy game i also really enjoyed the music it's really chiptune and such um, and it was designed to work with, you know, ad lib cards and stuff like that. Now, I don't have a proper DOS computer. I've been playing it via DOSBox. I will say that the game does have a slight learning curve in the sense that I did have to kind of unlearn other real-time strategy games. So I'm very used to playing real-time strategy games that are heavy mouse focused. So like Warcraft or Command and Conquer. So I did kind of have to unlearn those games to play this game. But I will say that once you kind of get over that first little uh, hump, it's a relatively easy game to get into. A lot of the a lot of the building and stuff is done through keyboard shortcuts and stuff like that. That's fun. I actually was this is not my recently played game, but I I was also playing a game called The Crimson Diamond, which I think you let me know about. I did, and that also has like a very EGA kind of graphic style. Mm, yeah, yeah. That uh, also looks like somebody. So it's like EGA graphics, but also hand drawn EGA graphics. It's pretty good if you enjoy retro style yeah, graphics. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very good. But I'm not talking about that game in particular for my recently played game. What game have you been playing recently? Uh, so the game that I've been playing recently has been a game called Metaphobia, which is developed by Digital Mosaic Games and is an investigative mystery game in the style of a classic 1990s point and click adventure. Wow, look at us. So we're, obviously, we're, we're getting retro today. We are the classic gaming brothers. We we do occasionally go re- more than occasionally go retro or 
like retro style games mostly because we're man children who haven't grown up it's true anyway so you play as a character named richard elmstadt and you're a painter who is a child of a politician who ends up getting murdered but he's a a good politician he's not a bad politician because he's a good politician you want to go out and investigate his murder and figure out who killed your dad and so it's a very classic adventure style game with uh inventory and point and click it's it's one of those more simpler point and click adventure games where there's really only a left and a right so like left interacts right is like a look feature so you have like a interact and look which to be honest for a lot of point and click adventure games it's all you really need but it's fully voice acted which is great and the voice acting is really really good because i'm about to tell you it's free Ooh! so the game came out june 20th of 2019 and it is just a free game and i've played probably about a half hour of it or so and have been really uh like just digging it it's like got decent voice acting the story's pretty good the artwork's really nice and it's like it's such like a hidden gem to me so yeah so i i've been really really digging the uh metaphobia so if you're interested in a a game and you wish for it to be zero dollars then go check out metaphobia on steam and it's been like literally has been out since june of 2019 and i don't think the, it's ever been sold for a dollar price nice so huh? yeah go check it out download it you could play it you could just forget about you having it and there you go I do love free games. Free games are the best games. It's true. It's true. Just like uh, the fastest car on the road's a rental. It's true. It's true. So today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about a lot, I guess, which is what we usually do. Mm. We're going to be talking about a company and their games that they released. It was a very short-lived company, so we won't have a lot to talk about in regards to the company. <laughs> yeah, no, it's perfect. But the uh, the company is called Cyberflix, mm. and and that just is a, a glorious '90s name for a company, yeah, that right is there. Pure <laughs> '90s uh, like software name. Yes, and and if Flix is of course spelled with the X, and <laughs> that's either that's either software or a porn name. <laughs> like, <laughs> Or both. They're both. And we we did have uh, a Cyberflix game, and it was a game called Titanic Adventure Out of Time. It was a glorious game. It was a good game. And it was a weird game. Yeah, I, I think all of Cyberflix games were weird, um, <laughs> especially some that we found today. So what's that? Let's talk about our... since So we didn't own the other games that are in their catalog, for better or for worse, mostly for the better. Not saying that their the other games were bad, but um, they were. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, 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 I don't know. Maybe one, one of the other games of theirs was good. They'll actually. Well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it in regards to their other games. But we did own one of their their games, the Titanic game. So, uh, Zach, what are you, your memories of the Titanic game? So I have a few memories of the game. One thing I remember is a guy dying in a Turkish bath in the game. Yes. Hadelitz. Yeah, by getting electrocuted. Spoiler alert. I also remember, I think there was a dueling. Yeah, where you duel Hadelitz. Yeah, yeah. And then he dies. <laughs> you don't die yeah, prior after. to yeah right it's it's actually not dueling it's a it's a fencing yeah yeah fence. that's what i mean fence uh dueling as in fencing fence fencing in, in a squash court yes yes i also remember i think there was like a gym where you can hit a punching bag yes there was i remembered there was like a butler man who had a really bad mustache i remember a guy with a gun and i remember the guy falling off the boat or maybe shooting someone off the boat oh yeah i think he shoots I mean, someone um, and then they fall off the boat uh one of the officers yeah what, yeah what 
what happens in the movie. I don't know if it actually happened in real life. Um, I believe it is a rendition of Murdoch shooting somebody, but I don't think Murdoch actually shot someone. There's controversy when it comes to Murdoch. So another thing I do remember about the game was that it did have full motion video, except I was watching clips of the game recently. I think this is one of those situations where my memories remember the game being much more (laughs) detailed than it was because i remember the full motion video being very fluid however upon re-watching clips of the game the full motion video is not very fluid it is like still photos where their mouths and sometimes their eyes move (laughs) and it's a little scary to watch but (laughs) i guess it's still full motion video it's just not good full motion video that's what i remember Based on some quick research, there was an officer that did shoot somebody on the Titanic based on witnesses' accounts. That officer may or may not have been Murdoch. But in both movies regarding the Titanic, Murdoch is the one that shoots them. Oh. And yes, the animation style is definitely jarring, to say the least. We'll we'll get into how they do the animation, which is a unique way to do it on CD-ROM, I guess, and an interesting way to bring motion to an otherwise... Uh, it's, it, it would be multiple. The Titanic Adventure Out of Time was... A, I'm 100% sure it was one disc. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. It might have been two discs, actually. Oh, well, it was two discs. <laughs> whatever oh that's right you know why why the game was on one disc and the tour was on the other disc right because there is the there were two discs yes there are two discs because one of the discs is actually a just a tour. bonus features it was a it was a bonus features disc there was also stuff that i feel like you had to unlock yeah but so. you had to unlock by paying them like dlc they were ahead of their time weren't they yeah like but it, they were like tour guides so you had to unlock tour guides by paying them or else you didn't get the additional tour guide content i like that I like that. Which had nothing to do with the video game itself, yeah, that's good. which was a joy. So um, to talk about Titanic Adventure at a time, we have to first talk about the company that made it. And that is Cyberflix. So Cyberflix was originally created in 1993, and they produced video games for a very small window during the 1990s and stopped production in 1998. Yeah, so that's five years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Not very long time for a game company, but, you know, they left their impact. They did stick around as in name only up until about 2006. Yeah. But they only produced... They only made games up until 98 and then essentially became a defunct studio. So the company was founded by a man named Bill Appleton, who had worked on a lot of different multimedia projects in his in his past. Uh, Bill was the author of a tool called World Builder and helped develop a language called Supercard for the Macintosh computers. Appleton also created a tool called Dream Factory, which helped move along the very new technology of CD-ROMs. I like that his name is Appleton and he works with Macintosh. Yeah, it's great. He, he was Mr. Apple. <laughs> he, was, he, he was Bill Apple. Bill Apple. So at a Macintosh trade show in a small booth, attendees got to see Dream Factory and were incredibly impressed by what Appleton had created. One of these attendees was so impressed that they decided to sign a deal with him for it. This attendee was a company called Paramount. Oh, that's not a that's not a small company at all. No, it is not. That's that's Paramount Pictures, the the big company. That's right. <laughs> so after this publishing deal went through with Cyberflix and Paramount went through the process of giving them a buttload of money, Cyberflix went full speed ahead and began rushing out games that utilized the Dream Factory software for their CD-ROM titles. The first game they released was a first-person shooter called Lunicus, uh, which was followed closely by another title, unrelated to Lunicus, called Jump Raven. Those both came out 
in the same year. Jump Raven was a sci-fi cyberpunk style action game, which sold around 100,000 copies. Which isn't bad. Right, yeah. I mean, it's not gangbusters, but it's it's pretty, it's solid. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice, that's probably a nice uh, chunk of change for them. I mean, I don't know how much they were selling the games for, but I assume they, you know, were probably selling them for retail value. Now, there was talk of doing a sequel to Jump Raven because of the decent sales. But that sequel didn't go through. Instead, they made Dust, which is a Western. <laughs> I don't know how they went from cyberpunk to Western, but you know what? Sometimes you just got to go from cyberpunk to Western. Dust was released in 1995. And in Dust, you play as a character who's just called the Stranger. And you wander around a Western town set in New Mexico during the year of 1882. And the full tagline for Dust is Dust, a tale of the wired west sounds interesting sounds like tech techy or internet-y yeah especially after they create a sci-fi game right mm. well it's i mean just it's a western the game is an adventure game that has a, a, a traditional kind of western story where you uncover kind of your characters like trying to figure out who they are because they only know themselves as the stranger which if you are somebody you should know yourself more than just being the stranger they also have mini games in the game where they replicate card games like blackjack and poker mm -hmm. which is you know things you would do in the wild west they even have like a, a shooting gallery where uh you can practice your shooting in the game because you will have an entire segment for shooting which will have your character survival depend on it so it's best to learn how to use the shooting mechanic in the game yeah makes sense and as we mentioned in our memory section the characters are not full motion videos they are in fact photos of actors that are given animation to sync up with their dialogue kind of badly <laughs> I feel like the Titanic game does it a little bit better than Dust after watching some video of Dust. It's jarring, to really to say the least. Their eyes and mouths move, and sometimes rapidly, and their bodies will like bob up and down. And overall, I think that for the audience at the time, it was probably passable in regards to animation. I certainly didn't really realize that it was like a jarring animation as a child playing the Titanic game. But it's funny because the eyes for the characters will move around like they're like constantly looking and they all just look like they're neurotic or like paranoid. <laughs> Definitely like they're just like nervous that something's coming. So uh, the story of the dust is your character kind of trying to find out more about themselves, helping townsfolk with tasks. And some of those tasks involve recovering items. Uh, it does, the game does allow that your character to die. If you mess up, your character can die and that'll be a game over. Also, it doesn't hold your hand when teaching you how to play the game. This kind of storytelling was, um, I, I would say pretty popular in adventure games in the 90s in regards to what, it, what made a good adventure game. There were possibilities of death and it was usually met with game over. Like uh, Journeyman's a good example of that mm -hmm. and uh, Dust and the Broken Sword series as well. But the story does have multiple ways. During the game, there's multiple ways to solve a singular problem, which is always good. A non-linear linear story is probably the best kind of story where you can kind of t attack the different angles of the story the best way you can and there were five different endings which was kind of cool most of the ending had to do with how your character spent their reward but it gives you a different ending for each one since the game came out in 95 i think we're safe to say that we can tell you a little spoiler because 
spoiling niche games from the 90s is a classic gaming brother special yeah especially when the games are like abandonware <laughs> yeah somebody's gonna play this game after listening to this podcast and be like damn i wish i didn't listen to this podcast then i would not have known the ending of this game that i didn't even know existed <laughs> but essentially your character does discover who they are and you eventually help discover some gold in a mine and you have to figure out how you want to spend that gold and however you spend it is kind of how the endings are. So you can spend it like you can just like walk off with it or you can become like co-mayor of the town. The thing is, I don't know what the wired part of the wired west is about. You know, <laughs> like and I have like flashbacks of this game where there were robots. <laughs> and that's why I assumed the wired west was about robots. I watched footage of this game. I just tried to push it back to like try to figure it out. I went through a lot of it. I don't see any robots or it being wired i read the entire synopsis there's just nothing to do with robots and i'm just confused why it's the wired west maybe because i don't know there's like telephone wires i <laughs> just i don't know maybe it's uh it's the dawn of the telegram <laughs> <That's kind> of... <laughs> I, I guess i i honestly don't Alexander know Graham i should probably <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I've never played the game, so I'm I'm a little in the in the dark in regards to the exact nature of the tagline. But so, how did it do? Well, very poorly. Wow! Uh, in its entire run, it sold less than fifty thousand copies, and only thirty thousand by nineteen ninety nine, which is four years after it came out. Many reviewers, though, gave this game really high praise, um, viewing that it is a solid adventure game and. One reviewer, a reviewer by the name of Bart Farkas, stated that te technology has allowed computer games to venture ever closer into the realm of virtual reality, and no game comes as close as Dust. Wow, that is... You know what? I want to I see how Bart Farkas is doing now with games like Half-Life Alex. <laughs> if he's like... If he's like, oh... I might have made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> dust dust is still still more of a virtual experience than, than Half-Life Alex. Some of the gameplay <laughs> just reminds me a little bit of like Ravenloft the Stone Prophet. <laughs> because you have like a HUD and kind of a similar-ish HUD that you do, like a window where you have like a viewfinder of what you're looking out at, and then you have like your um like your menu button and your inventory stuff underneath. And the Titanic game also has this maintained as well, where you kind of play the game in like a window of an overarching menu. And the people in the game are like little 3D, like little 3D people. That run around the town and they they all do their own thing which is fun so like it happens at the titanic too but in both the titanic and dust characters kind of move around naturally and over time they'll just be in different spots and we you can trigger different conversations depending on where you are in the town or ship and where these other characters are and it's almost kind of like that like very basic level of radiant stuff that oblivion kind of brought into the gameplay where npcs had like schedules and they're like out doing certain tasks yeah, um yeah. I, I think in these cyber flicks games it's probably more arbitrary <laughs> where they're going off to i don't think they're doing anything in particular they're just standing in a different part of the map um but i think that's still interesting especially in a game like a town or or a uh, a ship where people will naturally just move around right you're not going to stay in one spot on a ship unless you're sick so i th i thought that was a, an interesting thing that cyberflix did with these two particular games as it were 
Yeah. Now with the game that we owned, Titanic, Adventure Out of Time, the game was developed by a writer and producer named Andrew Nelson. Who also worked on Dust. Yes. Now Nelson spent over 10 months developing the script for what would become Titanic Adventure Out of Time. He was frequently changing the plot and creating characters in accordance to the needs and demands of the project. His idea from the game was primarily formed from a comment that his wife made. She had made uh, a... she was talking to him and she commented that video games were too much of a time commitment. And Nelson kind of wanted to pursue this race against the clock type of game. And this was more evident by the original subtitle, A Race Against Time. Ooh. Yeah. Now, Nelson's original idea that he pitched to Cyberflix was not about the Titanic. <laughs> it was about a steampunk starship suspended in a vast void. Not quite the RMS Titanic. Do you think he was, a, he was a Douglas Adams fan? He might have been a Douglas Adams fan because that sounds very much like Starship Titanic. <laughs> now, fun fact regarding the Titanic adventure out of time was during the development, Cyberflix's old partner, Paramount, was purchased by Viacom. And they turned down publishing Titanic Adventure Out of Time. The reason they turned it down may have something to do with a little small budget film they were working on called Titanic, directed by James Cameron. Which I think is some inference that Zach and I came to. We, we don't have any sources in Paramount or Viacom that said we turned down the project back in 1990 six because of us working on a movie we just assumed that they didn't want a titanic video game to come out at the same time well similarly timed as a movie i i can see it being one of those things where it would have been a it it just because titanic adventure out of time yes it's about the titanic but it's not the same as titanic the movie right where titanic the movie is like you know this story about these two people who are in love and you know they are world separated from each other blah 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 and then the titanic sinks Uh, titanic adventure out of time is an entirely different game yes it's it's based on the titanic but also on the titanic (laughs) they both they both take place on the titanic in fact both of them could be happening at the same time they could be they could be but i definitely i definitely see paramount being like now this is a cool idea but we don't want people to be confused (laughs) there was though the late 90s like 96 97 was a good year to be about a sink a sunk ship <laughs> from 1912 <laughs> because the, the titanic only, was in its prime, <laughs> in, prime the 1990s. prime 90s not because not only is there the movie titanic by james cameron which was very popular so yes. they say but there was a titanic miniseries that was released in 1996 oh yeah so there was which was actually really good i enjoyed that titanic i saw the titanic miniseries miniseries fun fact about seth that's all tim curry everything about, right i, I yes that has so. tim curry t- that has tim curry as the as the diamond thief who yes. starts who tries to steal he tries to steal like jewelry while the ship is sinking <laughs> yes and well fun fact before we move into talking about the story of the game the butler from titanic by james cameron who ties up leonardo and stuff like that yep, yep. at the he's played by the voice actor of john irenicus from Baldur's gate oh that's fun that, <laughs> so that fun. whatever so i was re-watching the titanic with my fiance on vacation uh, just this past year and because you know we couldn't do anything else but uh i we got to the part where the butler was introduced and he started talking and i was like that's john irenicus <laughs> and 
I looked it up and it was John Ironicus. And I just thought it was so funny. I was like, this is great. I love this movie more because an evil elven mage is the butler to this guy. There was a there was a lot of Titanic content that came out in the 1990s. There was a board game that came out in 99. I think a lot of it was to do to the discovery of the Titanic. Yeah, because that was in the 90s, wasn't it? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Bob Ballard was actually James Cameron went down three times to the, the shipwreck himself in order to develop the idea and some of the shots that were taken were of the shots that were he did he was there so the game titanic adventure out of time is is an interesting game to say the least you play as a a character who starts off in london and i just remember the the (laughs) whenever you log into the game starts it off and is like london 1942 and it says that london has endured there's a the radio voice that comes on and goes london has endured another night of german bombing once again today's top stories london has endured another night of german bombing most damage was concentrated in the east end and <laughs> your character lives in this flat and the obviously outside the windows london's kind of beat up and you open the door and this landlady is like you're two months behind on the rent <laughs> she like screams at you And you essentially revel in your, like, despondency of being this failed agent of some variety where you look at, like, artifacts and postcards from this, like, your tales of adventure and stuff like that that you've done. And and then a bomb drops on your house and it explodes and your windows shoot through and you are propelled backwards in time to try your mission on the Titanic over again because you're a failed time agent. If only they tasked Gage Blackwell from Journeyman onto this originally they wouldn't have had this problem so you you go you you explore this faithfully recreated titanic ship and you meet up with another agent of the crown a woman by the name of penny pringle and she's a very money penny-esque type character and you have to go and essentially wander around the ship trying to track down different objects and trying to piece them all together so there's like germans on board and one is by the name of hadelitz who is the one who is found in the turkish bath and the other is his colonel colonel zeidel who's the one with the gun and they are transporting german plans on the titanic which would be more akin to like pre-world war one type situation they were also helping out a slav who was in the boiler room who was transporting money to fund the black hand to kill archduke ferdinand (laughs) and there was what else is there oh there's also a painting that has the plans on the back of the painting is and the painting conveniently was done by adolf hitler and essentially you have to recover all of these items and keep them all or get them to the right people there's like a notebook you have to recover from colonel zeidel there's the painting that you have to recover you have to give vlad like fake jewels through some mechanism like some plot that you have to follow along with and there's the rubaiyat it's a it's a book of poems and that's also being, it's going to be sold for money for uh, terrorism or something. And so you have to like get all these things. And the game, funny fact, the, the game at Titanic Adventure Out of Time actually doesn't have any time associated with it. There is no actual timer until the ship strikes an iceberg. 
Mm. Which spoilers? Yeah, spoiler alert! <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert for those who don't know what happened to the Titanic. It's not around anymore. In fact, it is very deep under the water. Yeah, slowly degrading over time. So yes. one day there will be no Titanic, which will be sad. Will be sad. I mean, the whole event was sad. So that once the Titanic strikes an iceberg, which is driven, that striking of the iceberg is be is driven by an event that the character has to do. Then the once the ship starts to sink, it real time things and then see so then you have only the amount of time left in 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 real life to accomplish it which was like the titanic sunk in about two hours so yeah i believe it's it's almost exactly the two or so hours that the game gives you yeah so the game gives you about two or so hours and the ship does sinks progressively worse as you go along there is a lot of tie-ins and nods to dust in the titanic game which is humorous because Dust was not very well sold, but, but there was a character named Buick Riviera, which is a great name. That is a great name. And he is a poker player. And at some point in time in the Titanic, you can win the like a ticket off ship. I, he's got like this scary mark of the death or skull or something. And you could give it to an officer and they, they'll let you off the ship and you'll get on a boat and you'll end the game. That's how the game ends. You either you get off the Titanic one way or the other. <laughs> what I really, really, really liked about the Titanic was the ending as well because depending on the actions that you did depend on how the game ended and depend on what kind of natural like what kind of thing course of history that you changed based on your your actions because you can prevent world war one you can prevent world war two through your actions on mm-hmm. the ship oh and you can also help get freedom for like a pop like a group of people as well oh um that's fun and the objects that you had to get to get like the perfect ending changed around every time you played the game they weren't always in the locations that you like were always supposed to be they would be in different locations there wasn't a lot of different like rng there wasn't a lot of different variables but they still were different depending on your playthrough and i played through the game a lot as evident by my intimate knowledge of the game the first character you meet is before you even meet penny pringle is a character by the name of smethers and he's the butler that you remember he's he's like balding he's not yeah i don't think he's the he's the steward he's not actually the butler he's not a butler he's he is the ship's steward good evening i am smethles your steward and he delivers you a message and like the first line he says is that there's 2200 passengers on board and they all want messages delivered 2200 on board and they all want messages delivered promptly even if it is 1912 and the Titanic, the most advanced means of sea conveyance ever devised, I still have only two hands. He has a very dry delivery of things, and he's kind of like the tutorial, though the game does not give you much of a tutorial to play the game. And I think you spend a good portion of the game trying to figure out why you're even there, especially if you didn't pay attention to the intro or haven't played the game before. You're just like, and then I exploded, and now I'm on the Titanic. Do you have any other thoughts about the game? The only other thoughts I can really think of are just like, I remember the game being really neat in the sense that there was it's it's massive i mean uh, i yeah the game is huge yeah it's um i'm not i i'm fairly certain it's mostly to scale to what the actual titanic was to the point where as we were talking about there's a bonus cd where you can just like explore the titanic without any of the game going on um yeah because it's a 
fairly accurate reconstruction of the ship from first-hand accounts and photos and stuff like that that existed from the time period. Yeah, they, they did a phenomenal job making the ship. Yeah, and you know, it might seem weird that it's a video game based on this very tragic, tragic piece of history, but at the same time, it it's also kind of captures this, you know, ability to, to see something that no one alive, I don't know if any survivors of the Titanic are actually still alive, but um, really no one alive that I know of um, has, has seen before, you know, it, it does allow you to kind of explore this this world which i guess the movie also does but it's a little different you know you can do it if you especially if you're on the bonus disc you can really do it at your own pace and in the game you can do it at your own pace until the iceberg hits that's right <laughs> then you got that's a slightly right. different pace uh then you could see the titanic in a whole new light <laughs> yeah like running around did you know that um the the set for the titanic by james cameron was a one i think it's a one seventh scale or something like that and it was on hydraulics oh that's fun so what happens is they filmed all of the scenes of the titanic on the ship right yeah and then when they got to the end of the movie he filled it with water and he sunk his own set good so he just dumped that thing in water and people were actually on like a set that was like Filling perpendicular with water. <laughs> yeah exactly james cameron's a wild man <laughs> well he's yeah. a wild man you know you can explore the titanic without having to worry about james cameron sinking your hydraulics hydraulic replica by playing the game uh it's definitely a game i want to revisit it is available on gog and and steam it's actually available via um i believe it's night dive did the port of the game that's it's, it, it plays as accurately as it did when it was first available back in the 1990s so I, I definitely recommend checking it out i think it's only a few bucks so i don't think it's like steep investment for anyone that's interested that's that's where i've um i, I learned about um the meldum mare which is french for seasickness i think you've been in your cabin the whole voyage a touch of the Maldon Mare, was it? So, unlike its predecessor, Dust, Titanic Adventure Out of Time sold 43,000 copies in its first month. Not bad. And by the second month, it had surpassed 100,000 units sold, which is double what Dust sold in the entire run of Dust. Also not bad. Which was humorous because by the second month, half the people, well, so let's say 50,000 people bought Dust and those same 50,000 people bought the Titanic and mm. were part of that 100,000 units sold. That means 50,000 people did not get any of the references to Dust. And to be honest, they probably still haven't played Dust and may still not get those references. Like, why is Buick Riviera this random cowboy playing poker in the <laughs> smoking lounge? So during the release of the Titanic and once it hit store shelves, they did have a publisher called G. GTE Entertainment and GTE Entertainment ended up having financial issues. Cyberflix had to go down and convince GTE Entertainment to sell the rights of the Titanic to them so that they could continue with this game since it was selling pretty well and they wanted to keep it going since the publisher was essentially going bankrupt. During this time, they actually had stock issues of the game. It was hard to find because GTE wasn't making any. So they eventually reached a deal with CUC Software and they started resuming the public and the creation of the game and distributing it out through the merchants and then december 1997 happened and james cameron film the titanic debuted which did very well at the box office spoiler alert it is one of to this day best-selling movies of all time so the titanic film debuted and even just having the name and the title led to this game skyrocketing so, like, the game was doing okay and doing well, had 100,000 sales, kind of starting to stagnate, and then the James Cameron film came out, and then it just took off. 
this game had nothing to do with James Cameron, the Titanic. It was just like the only, and I think is one of the only games with Titanic in the title and, and revolving around the ship. Obviously, there was Starship Titanic. That's an entirely different game that we d- we cover in episode 42. Yes, that has nothing to do with the RMS Titanic. Correct. So by the next year, that being 98, within the first two months, 200,000 new copies of the game had to be distributed out to stores. And stores, quote, couldn't keep the game on the shelf. And they discovered something. The Titanic game connected with a demographic of people who previously didn't really buy video games. And that was the female audience. And hopefully it inspired people to pick up and play video games, especially adventure games, from there going on from there. By October 2000, four years after it was released, it has sold 1.5 million copies. Nice. The most successful game that Cyberflix worked on. The reviewers loved the story and the setting some some did say that the dialogue in the game was that went on a little bit and you know some of the there wasn't enough puzzles for the adventure game but overall the reviewers love the faithful recreation of the ship which to this day as we stated is still probably one of the best recreations yeah in, i think so uh, a video medium that there's available and even people who just enjoy history enjoyed the game just by touring the amazing amazing job that the cyberflix team was putting the ship together uh personally i'm a avid titanic fan and do keep my eye and ears to the ground looking for new games that kind of evoke this game in particular and i've encountered two and only within the last few years were there two games that even got close to kind of recreating what what we what we had with titanic adventure out of time one of them is the titanic vr game okay it's more for education where you can explore the wreckage of the ship and parts of the recreated ship they do a good job at it but they also have a limited scope it's not as uh, you can't go everywhere in the ship like you could in the video game and then there is uh titanic honor and glory which is they're creating the titanic in the unreal 4 engine and it's good it's a good recreation but also limited you can't go everywhere and it's it's kind of only certain parts and there's no story that goes with it it's just kind of like a tech demo and that's it like i can't for the life of me think of any other titanic if you could think of a titanic game let me let us know and i will play it the only titanic game i can think of is that there is a bootleg Nintendo game that came out in 1998 called Titanic because they spelled it wrong. And it's based on, I say based, it is loosely based on the James Cameron film of the same, well, not the same name because they spelled it right right in the James Cameron film. (laughs) But it is an NES game where you play as Jack uh, and you punch people. That's the game. I don't even know if I don't I don't know if the ship sinks. <laughs> but it's called Titanic. That's the only other Titanic game I'm aware of. Cyberflix also worked on a number of other games, most of them poor. They did a Power Rangers game for the Apple Pippin that was bad. And that was only based on us watching three minutes of game footage. So will we come back to Cyberflix? Maybe if we want to talk about bad video games, we might. But overall, they had uh, the two games that they're most well known for are Dust, which didn't sell very well, and Titanic Adventure Out of Time. And hopefully Night Dive gives us a remastered or reimagined Titanic Adventure Out of Time one day. I'm I'm good. I'm I'm gonna hold off. I'm I would I would I can hold off 
I will buy it immediately, though. So speaking of remake and remastering and holding off on buying games, Zach. Yes, Seth. What are you exciting about for buying, waiting, and passing on? What am I excited about? Well, Seth, I am excited about Eastward. Not Westward? Not Westward. Eastward. Eastward is being developed by Pixpill, and it's due to be published by Chucklefish, who worked on Starbound. It is, uh, it doesn't have a due date out yet. It doesn't even say, like, quarter of any date. It is to be determined. So in terms of what Eastward is about, uh, I'll just read the description. It says, welcome to the charming world of Eastward. Population declining. Uh, you journey through a society on the brink of collapse. In the game, you discover delightful towns, strange creatures, and even stranger people. Uh, Eastward is an adventure game, and um, it is set in the near future where society is starting to collapse and the human population is at an all-time low. This is due to a deadly toxic presence that is spread across the land, destroying and devouring everything in its path. This game sounds very dark and scary. However, it actually looks very cute. <laughs> In terms of the graphics that they use for it. I, I just really like the aesthetic. It has kind of a um, almost like a Studio Ghibli vibe with just the uh, aesthetic of the characters and such. Or maybe like an Earthbound kind of vibe. Yeah, probably more closer to Earthbound. Looks very nice, really well designed looking game. I'll put I'll, I'll put it down as a as a as a buy. I think I think it's one of those games that I'm I'm looking forward to trying out and playing. And I I do like what Chucklefish has put out before, like like Starbound. So um, it's, it's going to be one for the buy category. I'll put it on the buy nice. pile. So what I'm excited about buying, waiting, or passing on is a game called Hell Sign. It is a game that I discovered while looking for a game to be excited about for buying, waiting, or passing on. It's true. I was there. It, it happens occasionally when we're preparing for an episode. I have to wonder what am I excited about looking forward to things. Apparently it's Hell Sign is what today today is. So Hell Sign is being developed by Ballistic Interactive. Apparently an investigative action RPG that pits you against the horrors of the afterlife and these horrors are going against a small town and you are a hunter fighting these horrors so you have to plan hunt and kill in order to pay your bills so it's plays in an isometric style and it is not an adventure game which is i think what i've been talking about for the last month mm. for this podcast you have been yeah i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna say anything but wow i could have kept going on i love i play a lot of adventure games but yeah so this is not an adventure game it's also kind of a game that i feel like i need to play in order to break away from the games that i have been playing a lot of which is adventure games so it's a sweet really sweet looking style game that looks like it moves quick it's scary but it's isometric so it's not that scary which is my type of scary when it's horary but not too horary so i'm gonna put this down as a buy i'll probably pick this game up good old hell sign it looks fun it's gonna play fast and it's got some rpg elements and actiony elements which are always fun together and that's it that is our cyber flicks titanic episode yeah anyway seth do you want to tell us how we can sure. uh i don't remember who did it last so because you want to take a nap i do all right so there's a number of ways that you could contact us listen to us and support us and we're going to go through them to contact us you can send us an email at classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com you can also send it to seth at classic gaming brothers or zach at classic gaming brothers.com or you can even send it to classic gaming brothers at classic gaming brothers.com you can also if you don't feel like writing an email you can go to our website which is classic gaming brothers.com and on that website you can go to the form section and you can fill out a form which sends us an email to that email box that you didn't want to send us an email to well there you have it i'll read the 
them, I will get to respond to them. It's a great way to communicate with the Classic Gaming Brothers, and we will use your recommendations, your feedbacks to adjust the show so that we can make better content for you, the listener, which is really, at the end of the day, our goal to make good content for you. Now, while you're at that website, you can listen to us in the lounge, which is really just our way of saying a media player. In the ClassicGamingBrothers.com website, we have our lounge where we release all of our episodes where you can listen to them. If that's too much of an an annoyance, which to be honest, I think that is. I don't know if there's anyone that goes just to our website to get new episodes. In fact, you can go to any application and find us there. So if you have Spotify, Stitcher, or even something like iTunes, you can look us up, Classic Gaming Brothers, and we should be there. Uh, we're on most uh, listening applications and also those podcast scrapers like Podcast Addict and all those guys. So just search for us and find us, and there we are. Finally, to support us. Well, first off, you're already supporting us. Thank you. By listening to us, that's support enough. Right there, you're done. But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to support us more, you can follow us on all of our social medias. And that's going to be Facebook Classic Gaming Brothers, Instagram Classic Gaming Brothers, Twitter CG Brothers Pod, and Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Classic Gaming Brothers. So you can follow us on all of those and and enjoy in the minuscule amount of extra content that we release (laughs) and come back here and listen to the next episode, which comes out every Sunday in case you're new. And if you are new, welcome. This is a fun episode to start listening to us on. Yeah, it really kind of sums up uh, what our podcast is, I think. Just niche, niche topics. Niche, niche topics for games or systems that... You never knew you needed to hear anyone speak pedantically at you about. You can also support us by reviewing or rating us in whatever application that you use. So if you listen to us on iTunes, give us a, a, a rating and rate us appropriately. Remember, we also run giveaways where you can send us an email and get a free game. So remember to rate us appropriately. These have no correlations to each other. Just know that we will give people we will give people free games who may also tell us in an email that they rated us just saying and with that zach am i missing anything no wait yes yep you did forget one thing and that's don't play games like my brother and don't play games like my brother i've been zach and i've been seth and we've been the classic gaming brothers that's That's right right. right. that's right wherever you are that's titanic theme <laughs> I, I just want you to cut in the cyberflix theme that like <laughs> <laughs>